Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V the Grill Economist coming to you live on this edition of, of Hanging with Harley. He's a man that needs no introduction whatsoever. It is one and only Holly Schlanger. You can find him at the LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, Harley, there is so much happening geopolitically. I've heard rumors of a major, major strike in the Ukraine uh, via Russia. They've taken out over 50 uh, generals and commanders of the Ukrainian army. And uh, things are rolling along while Europe descends into madness. Uh, Macron has lost the majority over there. Uh, So on and so forth. There's lots going on. So I don't know where you want to begin. I mean, east, west, north, south. We had uh, 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 Petro. Winning Colombia, a man who is uh, basically the equivalent of a Mayor de Blasio from New York City. Uh, I am getting word that there's going to be a great capital flight out of Colombia. And uh, as people are terrified as Colombia turns into another Venezuela. So I don't know where you want to begin, uh, Harley. Well, let's touch on all of those. And when you let's said do it. A, when you said there was a big strike... In Europe, I thought you were talking about the shutdown of the transport system in the United Kingdom. By oh, yeah, that too. That's another story. <laughs> but look, I, let me start with this question in Ukraine, because I had a chance to view an exchange between Richard Haas, the morbid head of the Council on Foreign Relations, with uh, General Twitty, retired general, the former deputy commander of U.S. European Command. And Twitty was asked the question, how... Uh, how's Ukraine doing? And he said, Ukraine is losing. The situation is worsening. And after he said that, all of the the, uh, uh, robots of the CFR panel were saying, oh, no, no, the situation is much better than people think. Uh, We just need more time. And they went back to Twitty and he said, look, time is on the Russian side. Time is not a question. Ukraine should is going to be destroyed if it continues because their army is getting pounded. Yeah. And this new report that a command, an officer's command group was struck by the Russians at the same time some of the howitzers coming in were just, were blown to bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, the transport, the special transport uh, vehicles are being blown up. Uh, now, here's the other thing that's interesting, though. You had the three stooges show up in Kiev to meet with the fourth stooge. You had, <laughs> that was a great and productive meeting, I'm sure. Well, you had Macron, Schultz, and Draghi. And yeah. publicly, they said, we're here to com- convey our support. We're with you. We want to see you win. Privately, there was supposedly, and this is leaks from the meeting, from French military sources, telling Zelensky, it's all over. You have to come up with a diplomatic settlement. 
and Zelensky was apparently shaken up. And so what happened the next day? Bojo the Clown shows up from London, Bojo. offering to, to train another 10,000 Ukrainians, which he said they'll train over the next 12 months. There may not be 10,000. <laughs> they don't have 10 weeks, let alone 12 months. Well, and they may not have 10,000 soldiers by then. No. Because they're getting desertions. They're, they're, they're getting blown to bits. And, you know, I'm not here to cheer on the destruction of the Ukrainian army. I'm saying let's place the blame where it belongs. The U.S., the British, and NATO are encouraging them to keep fighting at a point where they cannot win. Now, there's a NATO meeting coming up the end of this month in Madrid where they're going to plan more actions against Russia. I mean, I don't even know if the war will still be going on by then. They're also going to talk about escalating against China. Uh, they're going to have Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea as part as participants in this NATO summit. This is part of global NATO. Yeah. And Stoltenberg, the head of NATO, who, who's another one of these stooges. Another failing forward individual. Yeah. He said, <laughs> this war could take years. And he said, we must not stop supporting Ukraine, even, after, even if the costs are high. Even now, what are some of those costs? Oh, $12 a gallon gasoline is a cost that we have to do. Listen, Harley, if you want to beat Putin, okay, $12 a liter gasoline is the way to go, Harley. That's how you do it. Well, here's what happened over the weekend. The, the German government leaked out that they're going to have to prepare emergency measures, which include major cuts of electricity to industrial firms. Oh, this is what the, the well this is what the auto industry has been warning about that there could be cuts that would lead to 1 million to 1 and a half million layoffs of skilled the highest skilled workers in the world in the auto sector, the machine tool industry, the steel industry and so on. Secondly, rationing of gas at the pump and third, the rationing of electricity available for home heating. And they're talking about keeping the temperature down. To, I think it's about 62 degrees, which is during, you know, during the winter. A, yeah, if you have a, and that's not 62 centigrade, uh, 62 Fahrenheit. If you have a bearskin rug you can roll up in, maybe you'll make it. But this, if you think about the collapsing healthcare system, people not having enough food, one in six German families are skipping a meal every day now because of the food inflation. So well, you know, clearly, they call it the, the Schultz diet. I mean, it, it worked very well in Venezuela with the Maduro diet. I mean, Germans can stand to lose about 20 pounds. It's totally fine, Harley. This is a new well, health initiative. And we should be prepared to freeze for freedom is the other thing. They're well, there are benefits to taking cold showers, Harley. I, I, you know, you know, you're <laughs> always seeing the glass half empty. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you see the light side of this, V, because I'm not looking forward to cold showers this winter. Uh, I, I think it's time to move back to Texas, Harley. <laughs> yeah, in Texas, you can take warm showers from the rainwater. You could. You know, or Florida now, was, was looking great. <laughs> now, here's the, the other interesting thing about this. You have the uh, – we just had a conference this weekend, Schiller Institute Conference, uh, there is no peace without bankruptcy reorganization of the failing transatlantic system. And we had, I think it was 31 speakers from 12 countries, extensive dialogue and discussion, everyone agreeing that we have to end this globalized 
speculative banking system. We need to move to some form of Glass-Steagall. We need to move to some form of national sovereign banking systems with credit for production. The question of how we get there, how we're going to do that, is what was mainly debated over the course of two days. If uh, the uh, Rogue News crew, if your listeners want to see this, it's being it's archived now. It's on the uh, SchillerInstitute.com website. And I, I moderated the economic panel. We had a really fascinating end of our panel where we had, I think it was six or seven food producers talking about what could be done with proper credit policies as opposed to what's being done with the Green New Deal, the high-priced fertilizer, and so on, which is going to guarantee food insecurity in the United States. I just wanted to mention one other thing in terms of the opening is the world overview. This Columbia vote is interesting. You know, this guy was part of the, uh, maybe maybe not the Coca cartel, but was a rebel. I think he was with the FARC. Yeah, he was a gorilla. He was a FARC. Yeah. And now he's going to fuck up Colombia. Well, I, here's the thing. Who is he running against? He was running against a neoliberal who was backed by Wall Street. Right. Now, Wall Street also had a deal with the FARC. So the question Columbia is, is a mixed bag. Well, the uh, question uh, is, mm-hmm. is this guy going to break with that policy? No. The point is, all of South America is in upheaval right now. Oh, yeah. You have a, a mobilization against the, the neoliberal policies in Ecuador, in Peru. Now you have this, whether he's a leftist or not, the new president in Colombia will find out. But the rebellion is against American policies. The United States is on the side of the bankers, the uh, Pinochet-type regimes. Uh, in Brazil, we're probably going to see the overthrow of Bolsonaro in the elections. So I, I think the point is the world is ripe for change. Oh, yeah. It, it's not in support of American neoliberal democracy, which is not democratic at all. And this is why we're seeing a break away from the United States on the demand for sanctions against Russia. I think this is also why when Biden went to Asia, he didn't get the agreement he wanted for his Asian prosperity sphere any more than than Obama got it with the uh, uh, TPP when they had the uh, American, what was it called? The, uh, oh, the, in Los Angeles last week, the, the Americas, whatever it was, half the countries were unrepresented. They didn't want to show up and be seen with Biden. And I think we're going to start seeing Democrats running away from Biden even as his popularity falls down below that of, of uh, rodents. So, you know, well, you know, he, he, he did you see the uh, the write up that the Atlantic magazine has given to Biden when he fell off the bicycle? Did no, I didn't see it. The Atlantic magazine said a Russian bicycle, right? No, no, well, close, close. They, they, you know, they said that it was an invisible Russian agent that pushed him over. But, but what they said that Americans should be inspired, that the president showed this country something that Americans should take to heart, that when we fall, we should always rise back up. I mean, this is like North Korea level of sycophant media that we have in this country, Harley. Sometimes when you fall, you should just stay down until you come up with an idea of where you want to go and what you want to do. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I think... The, the, the serious point here 
is that governments around the world are going to have to start addressing the question of what do you do when your policies are opposed by the majority of your population? You mentioned Macron. This is the first time since the Fifth Republic, which was set up in the late 1950s, that the presidential winner didn't have a majority in the parliament to work with. The majority is against the Macron party uh, of left, both the leftists and the right who agree on some things and disagree on others, but they agree on one thing, which is that Macron should not be president. The German population, the popularity of the government is sinking fast. Meanwhile, how about Putin? What's his popularity? He gave an address at the St. Petersburg Economic Forum this last weekend, which was a tour de force, mm -hmm. where he went through how the mistakes of Western financiers, the green policy, the EU demands, all of these are what's causing the problems in the world, not Russia's policies. 100%. And people, need, really quick, Carly, people need to understand that the St. Petersburg Economic Forum is the counter to the World Economic Forum. Exactly. Now, and here's the important thing. They had 14,000 people there from 71 countries, so much for isolating Russia. There were people there to do business. The topic was uh, new deals for a, a new century or something like that. And they had $100 billion worth of deals consummated on energy, raw materials, strategic metals, and so on. And after the conference, it was announced that there'll be a follow-up that will include a Putin-Xi Jinping uh, meeting coming up soon. The Eurasian Economic Forum is moving ahead. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization is talking about taking on new members. The BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, are getting applications now from Nigeria, Indonesia, and others. So the Global South is rejecting the Green New Deal. They're rejecting Absolutely. the Great Reset. They're rejecting the idea they have to give up their sovereignty. And at the core of this is that Russia and China threw down the gauntlet to the West and said, we're not going to go along with your policies. We don't want to fight with you. We'd like to work with you. But if you're going to throw weapons on our border, we'll defend ourselves. China just launched China just launched their new Type 003 aircraft carrier, which has uh, electromagnetic uh, catapults, which the American Gerald, uh, you know, Gerald Ford class aircraft carriers had numerous bugs and troubles trying to fix. Uh, but, yeah, they're also working on their new Type 004 aircraft carrier, which is completely nuclear powered. They're bringing the heat. They just launched a new submarine. Their, their Navy right now, as it stands, is a much bigger Navy than the United States Navy, bristling with much more advanced weapons. So if the United States wants to bring it to the South China Seas, Harley, they are go it's going to be like clubbing baby seals. Well, don't forget, the United States can count on the British allies who are going to send an aircraft carrier where they had to borrow U.S. planes to have some aircraft to, to launch. Well, that's the new trend. You know, it, it, it's the Uber of, of it's the Uber concept <laughs> for for the military. You need a aircraft. We'll let you loan out. A, you know, we'll rent out some aircraft for you, and uh, you could you know flex your muscles. You know, the, the... well, and instead of bases, we're going to have Airbnbs on the Pacific Islands. That's it. That's exactly what's going to happen. Gonna, we're going to surround our enemies with Airbnbs and cause them to come to the negotiating table and capitulate to every single one of our demands. Well, and at this Madrid-NATO summit, 
Stoltenberg said, we're going to show our truly international character because we're going to have Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and South Korea there. Now, the Japanese have in their constitution that they're not allowed to have an offensive military capability. Yep. And, and yet there's a discussion now going on in Japan. If they think that China might launch an attack on a Japanese island, could they exactly. launch preemptive strikes on China? And that's not going to work out well for Japan. I mean, literally, well, that's China. That's how could... crazy. That's how crazy this yeah. idea is. Yeah. This, now, New Zealand. This... What is, What is their military? Australia. Australia is getting bolstered in ten years or so. They're going to get U.S. nuclear subs if they can have anyone who can figure out how to run them. Uh, <laughs> the South Koreans are in on this to an extent, but they want to deal with North Korea. They don't want a war with North Korea, and so we're watching a slide into chaos on the, the strategic situation and the physical economy. Now, in the midst of this, we, we look at the so-called anti-inflation plan, and we realize that the same people who brought us the Ukraine war and the Afghan withdrawal are drafting the inflation plan, which means duck for cover, get into the bomb shelter, because uh -huh. they have not only no idea what they're doing, but the ones who do have an idea are out to take every last penny from you to save their hide. And yeah. that's what the problem is. Yep. That's what it is. It's another wealth extraction scheme. It's it's nothing new here. It's nothing um, out of the ordinary. It's just the same old idiots doing the same old stupid thing with the same old stupid result. And we have a population that's in a stupor that is right now embroiled in critical race theory and gender uh, identity fights. Left and well, right. a portion, a portion of the population yeah. is supporting that, and another portion is saying that that's the most important issue. Yeah, and the reality is we've got strategic questions that should be dominating. I, it, it's interesting, V. I was just on a television talk show in Pakistan before I came on with you, and the quality of discussion there was really extraordinary. There were disagreements. Like one guy said, "Well, the Chinese really don't want to compete with the United States in the Middle East." I said, they don't want to compete with the United States. They want to develop the Middle East. Yeah. But the discussion, the quality of discussion was extraordinary. Whereas if you listen to the talking heads of the media, oh, just... uh, you, you get people like Stelter and... and um, you get axioms here. All Roseanne, they're doing is Roseanne axioms. Dana, and, uh, yeah. The Roseanne Rosanna of MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. Correct. You know, Nothing you, you, but axioms and uh, and 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 talking points. That's all they have here. There's no yeah, real intellect. Yeah, you know that's so, why you approach the average American talking head. He's just bl he blurts out an axiom. He blurts out a talking point. He cannot defend it. He doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about. He's also one of the most uneducated morons in the world. That's what we have as news anchors. Well, we had a fascinating discussion in our first panel on the strategic panel because we had. My friend, Dr. Kortinov from the Russian International Affairs Council, who laid out a, a somewhat defensive presentation where he said, look, the problem is at present, we're stuck in this unipolar order because Europe is going along with the United States. And people were getting a little restless. But at the end, he said, but look, this isn't going to last. This is not going to hold because of the problems in the United States, in the alliance, he referred in particular to the problems with Germany and the austerity that they're going to impose. And the thing that came out from this discussion is that the question is not, are there bad guys out there and are they doing bad things? 
It's how do you take power out of their hands? And that's why we went back to LaRouche's proposal from 2008 that you must have bankruptcy reorganization in an orderly fashion, or you'll have it in a disorderly way. And yep. some people are saying, well, the devolution is good. Let it all collapse and then we'll rebuild it. How do you know that someone who's going to rebuild it has a better idea? How do you know the people who are crashing it don't already have a plan to rebuild it as a Shakti and fascist police state uh, from the top down? So the question is, don't cheer the collapse. Get in and fight for the correct policy, the right policy. And to do that, you need to know what you're talking about. And that's why we're having these uh, now it's almost every other month seminar. We have these Saturday presentations. I do my daily update. I have discussions with, with uh, people who are influential and knowledgeable, such as you and CJ, you know, with the, the idea that we're trying to reach out to the people who are waking up and say to them, don't just cheer on the collapse, become part of the solution. And in that sense, join the, the, the way Benjamin Franklin recruited people. He didn't recruit people by saying the British monarchy is a bunch of bums and we got to get rid of them. He set up the American Scientific and Philosophical Association. Right. <laughs> he built a postal service to send around documents for people to read and discuss and have philosophical debates on the Leibnizian question of how you build the physical economy. Uh, that's what we need now, not barroom brawls over who should be your center fielder on your fantasy team, but, <laughs> but what's the proper approach to putting the, the central banks, the Federal Reserve, out of business, taking the power away from private speculators like Jamie Dimon and Larry Fink, and put it back in the hands of the American people. That's the kind of dialogue and discussion and debates and barroom brawls that we need to have. I agree with you 100%. And this is why it's important for men to leave the realm and regalia of, of, of fantasy and sports and get involved. You know, the problem is, Harry, Harley, it's, it's that men don't meet anymore. It's a big problem. You know, there's no meetings of men. And, it, and, and when you think about it, because well, that's because they're all white racist sexists. That you know, that's what I I've been telling this to CJ all the time. He doesn't listen. He keeps going to the gym and working out and eating meat. I tell him to stop <laughs> doing that and start getting on soy and eating bugs because you know this is going to be our new reality. CJ, what do you have? It looks to say? like John Kerry who looks like a walking skeleton now. Yeah, I mean that's a virtue, CJ. I mean, come on. I mean, you, you're the biggest toxic masculine. I'm getting to put I some know. burgers on the grill here shortly. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I'll Terrible. 90%. I'm, I'm going to go beef. have a grasshopper ribeye. I want a taco al carbon. <laughs> well, but, oh, you man. know, V, the other point is that we have something which people are captive to, which is called asocial media. Yeah. And you, you look around. I, it's astonishing to me why there aren't more people getting killed in accidents because everyone's on the cell phone, whether they're walking, riding in a car. Uh, you're, you're in a room with six people and three of them are texting to each other. You know, it's, it's not just that people uh, are not social. It's that they're, they're incapable of sustaining ideas that are profound. And that's why they go back into the Johnny Depp, uh, Amber Heard debates, why they, they argue over, you know, who's the best 
pitcher over 40 years old. You know, it, it's it's tragic that the classical cultural tradition, which was the one in which the founding fathers lived, you know, Benjamin Franklin designed an instrument that Mozart created a concerto for, the glass harmonica. You know, the debates that went on around the Federalist Papers it brought in Plato. They brought in Solon of Athens. They, they brought in Cicero. Yeah. They were fully fluent in classical political theory and philosophical theory. The best presidents we've had were able to sit down and have discussions of particle physics. Now we have a president who can't even repeat his name three times without having a, uh, uh, someone whisper it in his ear. So we've lost a fluency of discussion of profound and impassioned ideas. And without that, we're going to lose the world. We're going to lose civilization. And that's the level on which we're trying to raise the, the, the fight. And sometimes people say, yeah, but what do we do? How do we do it? Tell me what the, the, the one thing I should do and I'll go do it. It's not one thing. If we had an armed revolution tomorrow, who would know what to do to rebuild a physical economy? And this is where uh, we run into problems. We don't have it. And this, is the, and this is the problem. The left hates Russia and the right hates China. And Russia and China is like we are a house that is engulfed in an inferno and a fire. And working with Russia and China is the, is, is the water that could put that fire out. And this is, the, the, this is where our elites have led us to, an impasse. Because when this thing does blow, and it will blow, this economy and this collapse is coming. Nobody has the nascent talent or the knowledge to put it back together. And that should terrify the bejesus out of all of you. Because what's going to happen if you don't know how to put it back together, then some technocrat who spent his time in some European or American think tank on the Beltway or in Brussels is going or to come here and do it for you. Or in or Harvard. Harvard. Exactly. You have these robots who can repeat the axioms whether it was from John Kenneth Galbraith or whether it was from neoliberal economists, they don't realize the implications of what they're talking about because they don't care. They're getting paid to produce these manuscripts and these talking points. And they're told to keep it simple so that people can understand it. And that's the way you control people is you give them simplistic ideas that ultimately boil down to fight your neighbor for your own interest whether it's the, the next door nation or whether it's your next door neighbor. Instead yeah. of what common interests do we have with other sovereign nations, as well as with, with other people in our own nation. And I think this is where if you throw out the classic dividing line of left and right, as it's repeated all the time, whether it's on Fox, they talk about the liberal socialists or on uh, MSNBC, they talk about the right wing racists. Throw out the, the axioms and look at the interests, whether people are anti-government or pro-government, what is it that they want? They want a certain amount of security. They want to know there'll be a future. They know we have needs to, of things that we have to produce. We need energy. We need electricity. We need food. How do we get it? These are things that we do know. But the dialogue about how to organize this has been taken over by these axiomatic Cretans, ideologues, who go by these phony left-right distinctions. 
and anti-government, pro-government. You know, it's, it's amazing to me why more people don't realize that today the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are both the extreme war party. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what they are. Absolutely. So that's what I, I would urge people. Go to the shillerinstitute.com. You know, it's it's two full days of it, it's right there on the screen now. It's two full days of uh, deliberation. Uh, start with the strategic panel, which was the first one. The second one is the economic panel, which which I chaired, which was quite interesting. And then the third one is a scientific panel. The fourth one is a cultural panel. If you have some stamina, you know, do them one night after another and and, and turn off the television and get involved in some deep thinking about what it's going to take for us to save this planet. And I'm not talking about from global warming. I'm talking about from global stupidity. And that is what we have in spades here in the West. Stupidity on a grand scale and not and mixed with nihilism. So it's a dangerous combination. Hopelessness. The hopelessness. hopelessness is what leads to the nihilism. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely right. And with that being said, Harley, thank you so much for joining us again and breaking down this amazing information, folks. You can find him over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, TheLaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, we're over and out. Take it away, CJ.